don't funk with racism. We don't funk with people who don't support the LGBTQ plus community. And baby, we damn sure don't funk with anybody who don't love a beautiful black queen, baby. You see this tape? You don't let nobody act black and then go home and be white? It only takes a little bit of white brainwash to activate the cool chip in the average Negro. And a lot of white folk have demonstrated eloquently that they don't have no sense. so much for coming back and visiting me here at the Afrocentric Podcast. The name of this episode is called Not Your Average Mental Health Episode. Today I really hate everybody and that's just me being real. Yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, bad bitches have bad days too. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, bounce back, high bad bitch, always do. All I really wanna hear is it'll be okay. Bounce back cause a bad bitch can have bad days. All I really wanna hear is it'll be okay. Bounce back cause a bad bitch can have If the following statement triggers you, then this message is probably for you. You need to go to therapy. Historically, it has been argued that people of African-American descent are victims of generational trauma that is often influenced by ancestral trauma. Because of these genetic predispositions, African-American people are more likely to be exposed to certain mental health issues. The idea of therapy or taking control of of your own mental health outside of the church has a negative stigma within the black community. This paired with the lack of cultural understanding along with the negative stigma surrounding the idea of going to therapy prevents black people from regularly seeking therapy. With this in mind, the goal of this episode is to foster a safe place for black people that struggle with mental health illnesses to come together without judgment and to openly discuss the idea of therapy for black people, as well as taking control of one's mental health outside of church and the idea of dispelling myths surrounding the idea of medication. The more we talk about mental health, the more we can normalize it within our communities. And hopefully, soon, we can start seeing positive changes within our neighborhoods. Join me and my neurodivergent friends, Deja Mason and Ramar Talley, as we tackle arguably one of the biggest problems facing the black community today. I hope you are ready because this here is not your average mental health episode. And if you like this podcast, make sure to follow, share, and to leave a review think of therapy you think of oh my gosh i'm weak like i yeah you think of medication and you just think the worst because yeah. that's kind of what you see on tv too like it Absolutely. was therapy wasn't even presented in the media as something that was good now it's becoming safe to say all right now it's a little too much going on somebody help me what's up y'all what's up what's up what's up what's up with y'all um dang deju too um i'm really excited to have y'all here with me today excited to be here that's good. Um, we're going to be talking about something very controversial as well as something that's very needed in this day and time because it seems like we don't know what the hell going on in the earth, in the state, in the country. And um, I think that more black people need to start having honest and open conversations about mental health. All right. So with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and read y'all's 
what speaker bios y'all ready yes ma'am all right so the first one i'm the first person i'm going to introduce today is miss deja mason deja is an upcoming graduate of mississippi state university with a major in interdisciplinary studies with a focus in art history and most importantly education deja is from macon mississippi and she now resides in starkville mississippi Deja's a poet, a photographer, a gamer, and a self-taught artist. Growing up, Deja says she never expected to deal with a form of mental illness that could possibly be lifelong. She definitely did not understand what it was until she was 18 years old. She was diagnosed with anxiety, paranoia, and MDD before starting her freshman year in college. The trauma from her life at home has greatly affected her mental health. Now she's a lot better than she was before, and she took the time to research and educate herself about her own mental illness. Some days are a lot better than others, but for Deja, most importantly, the journey does not end. That's beautiful, Deja. Yeah, yeah, you know. Speak up, Deja. Oh, shit. Damn, bro. It's okay. Got turns to the mic. Look, okay. I'm going to go ahead and introduce Toot, or better known as Ramar Talley. Toot is currently a student at Mississippi State University and is a genius, a genius and a junior marketing and music history with a minor in music education. Toot was born and raised in Tupelo, Mississippi. He is a current musical writer and an artist of various genres. Coming up, Toot did not realize um, the things that came from an Afrocentric perspective until he began to dig deeper into the Black struggles and the day-to-day problems within the Black community. Toot says, quote, I definitely say the switch clicked for me around the age of 18 my freshman year of college so y'all help me welcome to and deja <laughs> y'all dropping this motherfucker today what's going on man Ooh, long ass day i ain't even gonna lie school school to y'all is kicking y'all ass like this yeah yeah nigga be tired well, I need y'all to wake the hell up. The people here to hear y'all, they didn't hear to go to sleep. They not here to go to sleep. I wanted to start this conversation all out with uh, statistics just to give you guys sort of an understanding of where the black community is as far as mental health goes. So um, the first question that I have is what percentage of black people go to therapy? Um, statistics tell us that roughly 25% of black people, black Americans, seek mental health care compared to 40% of their white counterparts per the Harvard Medical School affiliate latest essay. And despite the need, only one in three black adults who need mental health care receive it. The consciousness of not adding mental health concerns can evolve into a matter of life and death and in more serious instances for those who are marginalized. So let's talk a little bit more about suicide by numbers. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States, and every 11 minutes, someone dies from suicide. And suicide has also increased 35% from the 1990s to 2018. All right, so um, first I wanted to give everybody a little bit of a context as to why I invited you guys on this episode today. So um, the three of us do struggle from three different mental illnesses. 
And I want to say that I personally value both of our relationships individually just because, you know, it's nice to have friends that are struggling, maybe not in the same capacity that you are struggling in, but they still have an understanding of what you're going through. And I know definitely, like, when I first met you, Deja, specifically, that's something that we definitely um, talked about more in depthly, which was the struggle of mental health, being black, as well as, like, taking different types of medications and navigating through it yeah most definitely I wasn't expecting to meet somebody with the same trouble with mental health as me like I just been going with life and you know meeting people I'm like damn well, I'm gonna find somebody who can relate to me on some shit sometimes that's real um yeah, I think it's definitely nice just because, and this is something that we're going to get more into, you know, black people are not very open-minded when it comes to mental health, and usually when you tell people, hey, I got this, that, and the third going on, they tend to think that, you know, you crazy or some shit. So it's nice to be able to be around people and just to openly talk about and discuss this type of, like, very serious conversation in a non-nuanced way. We're going to make it, like, you know, easy to talk about and not fucking boring because I feel like that's why nobody wants to talk about mental health because it bores the shit out of everybody so um i'm trying my best to well i have done my best to try to make this episode as interesting and like factually packed with um information that directly impacts the black community in relation to mental health so with that in mind let's go ahead and get into it um question number one what has been your experience surrounding mental illness how did people within your community react when they found out that you were going to therapy or on medication for your mental illness? Which one of y'all want to start first? Okay. Okay, two. What mental illness do you have? Uh, I honestly don't know. Uh, it's just sometimes I just I just be in my thoughts, honestly. What medic? Okay, so you do take medication. I do take medication. What is your um, medication for? It's for. It's for educational purposes, like my attention, my attention span. Uh, if that makes sense, like it's not really Adderall, but it's it's like a a baby version of Adderall. They call it Fivance. Okay. Uh, I was prescribed on it when I was around third grade, so I was probably either nine or ten. Uh, I I was one, I was the type of kid that like I never got in trouble, but if I did get in trouble, it's because I was talking or I wasn't paying attention in class and. Uh, it's some. It's actually something that uh, Dr. Umar spoke about once uh, on how they prescribe these, prescribe it to these kids at such a young age. And, uh, he made a reference like it's not ADHD. It's uh, no dad at home. Something like that. It was something he said. But uh, I just, I just like to bring up the fact that like they prescribe it at kids at such a young age and. Uh, it's just kids being kids. I mean, if you nine years old, you're not going to sit still in class for a full, what, seven hours? Ain't that how long? Mm -hmm. A full seven hours. I mean, you nine or eight years old. And it's just kind of crazy because these teachers, will, what they will do is they'll, um, they'll mention it in like a parent-teacher conference or something like that. And then the black parents, what they do, they're just taking advice from some random white lady. And, uh, now your kid on drugs at like nine years old, you don't even realize it. You think it's just something for them to pay attention more in class. And I feel like that's where a lot of mental issues start for kids in the black community. I definitely um, agree with you. Um, 
I'm kind of glad that I didn't start taking medication for my anxiety and depression until like last year. It's been a year for me on medication now. Um, and that's because as an adult, I can advocate for myself. I'm able to like observe what it is that I'm going through and go to my um, nurse practitioner and tell her what these issues are. And I can advocate for myself versus like a child who probably isn't aware of what they're going through. They can't properly advocate for themselves. So, yeah. What's some myths that y'all have heard surrounding mental health like issues? Um. Mainly OCD. Now, whenever somebody hears something about OCD, they immediately think of someone who wants everything to be clean, tight, and nice. There are many different types of OCD. You have harm OCD, relationship OCD, religious OCD, and kind of shocking, but pedophilia OCD. Tell me about pedophilic OCD. So basically, a person can think that they're attracted to a child. Whole time they're not. That's how your mind can really play like tricks and games on you, and like, it you know it's crazy. Like, you know they would probably be afraid to come tell someone, "Hey, I'm having these thoughts." Whole time it's not your thoughts. Like you know how you say like, you would have your inner thoughts that's inside of you, and then thoughts from like the ether. Mm -hmm. So they have thoughts from there that's not really theirs, and you know people have thoughts every day. Oh, maybe I should punch him in the face. It'll pass on. They don't think much about it, but like people with OCD, they will have a thought. Like I'm saying with pedophilia, and they'll get stuck on it. It will scare the shit out of them. They won't go to any places with the children. Probably won't get on social media. Will just be distressed about the whole situation. So what, outside of pedophilia, pedophilic OCD, is there any form of, like, OCD that's, like, particularly, like, alarming or, like, that stands out amongst other forms of it? I would say religious OCD. Tell, yeah. And that's the one I dealt with. You want to talk about it more? Yeah, I'll go ahead and talk about it. So, basically, I went through this period of thinking that, like, basically, like, I had an intrusive thought saying that, like, oh, God, is it real? I mean, you know, I had a strong relationship with God. So, immediately I thought, oh my God, I'm going to hell. That's the first thought I had. And it scared the shit out of me. So, I'm pa I am I was pacing around. I'm scared to say I couldn't sleep at night the whole time. You know, it's, it's not really what it was. It was just a thought. But I couldn't let it go. OCD makes people hold on to a thought instead of just letting it go. You're not a pedophile. You're not an atheist. You love your girlfriend or boyfriend. The house is clean and straight. It's okay. Just let the thought go. I know definitely with my anxiety, there's something that I definitely struggle with. It's like letting thoughts go. I have an intrusive thought. And if I'm left alone with it or I don't distract, like, like distract myself, I will make myself sick like just thinking about it. And that's how I knew I had an issue with anxiety because like I would feel one way and I would just mull over it, go round and round and round thinking about it, creating different scenarios in my head about it until I made myself upset. It may have not, may not have been as big of an issue as I previously thought it was, but I was making myself sick. So, yeah. Right. Um, with the religious OCD, like, I would create, like, rituals, quote-unquote. So, like, say, like, I have a thought, and I think of a Bible verse, 
and I would literally repeat them my head over and over and over and over and with thoughts you can't stop them. Yeah. So it'll come back, and it will. Oh my God, Girl, I would go nuts. crazy. I know. Question number two reads, many people believe that religion, especially in the black church, negatively impacts mental illness. Do you believe that the black church needs to do better with their approach surrounding mental health? Yes, most definitely. Um, I know my pastor, for instance, when I was going through it, he just said, pray about it. And I was at the hospital then, he said, pray about it, hung the phone up. And I was like, okay. Bit. All right. Did the prayer help? Um, I, I didn't pray. I was actually like shocked. I'm like, really? You can like pray for me get, at least. Give me some words of affirmation, uplift me. That I ain't that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And he just hung the phone with my mom was like, Oh, don't even worry about him. Yeah, it was Yeah. Like, the idea of therapy or taking control of your mental health outside of the church really has a negative stigma within the black community. Um, mental uh, mental illness already um, is highly stigmatized, but within the black community, it's really hard to discuss it as well as confront it, especially within the black church. And nearly half of all black people attend religious services at least once a week. So, um, being encouraged to pray about your issues rather than talk about them in therapy really doesn't help anything. If anything, I would suggest that people not only advise um, mental health people, not mental health people, but people who struggle with mental health to pray along with seeking therapy, along with um, going, then taking medication. Did you have something to say to it? Uh, I feel like um, in a black church, uh like she said, she called her pastor and um, he didn't do nothing but say pray about it and hang up. I feel like um, pastors, they, they mostly just know um, the the like the main hidden points of like how to guide you in life. But like like I said before, um, mental health in the black community is already something overlooked. So I felt when uh, she called her pastor, he, he didn't know what to say. All he could say was pray about it, which she at the time, uh, I'm sure she needed to hear more than just pray about it, you know. And um, the the black churches is they starting to they starting to really become watered down to me too because I I feel as if like people just go for show and like it's not it's not even like to go worship anymore. Like who pulling up in the bins or uh, who got the nicest looking suit or dress? I feel like everybody's just there to compete with each other. That's real. Right. It's so much. You would hear more gossip in the church than you would on the street. Right. That's real. Too. That's true. And it's like old people way older than us, too. That's the crazy thing about it. Y'all going to get up in here and drag the Lord house like this? I mean, yeah. hey, I, I, love my, I love my church back home. They like family to me, but that's, that's just what I see. Because I was to the point I didn't want to live no more. That last video I had posted mm. when I was holding my daughter, rocking her. I did a birthday in Cabo in Mexico. I did all of that. I made sure that she had the best, the best birthday ever. I was just holding. I knew that was my last time seeing her. This was this past December? Not this December, but the December before, oh, before that. that. This December okay. marked the anniversary of that. Gotcha. What sparked that, though? I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. The world the world was already beat. The world, as men, Especially as a provider, a lot of men don't speak about this, but a lot of men suffer in silence also. Facts. When you mm -hmm. when you a provider, and you and you 
and you a real, real provider, but you already unhappy and you not feeling like you being celebrated in a proper manner, you feel like you're only being tolerated. Like a lot of people be like, why certain men don't go home? Like when I was in the streets, I used to hate going home because I, I feel like it's cool, but I ain't welcome though. Because it don't feel embracing when I go home. It's like, y'all yeah. act like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Thanks. And a lot of men suffer from that and not knowing that it's okay to have your man cave. You have to go in your solitude and have your time for yourself in order for you to release. Because yeah. we, we so busy being tough and harboring all these resentment and emotions and all yeah. the shit we deal with. You know what I'm saying? To where it's just that pressure was on top of my head. I was like, man, I quit. I was at the gym. Mm. I was at the gym. This this once we got back to California, I was telling Issa, I'm like, I love you, baby. I do. I made up for every birthday. That was the last post I made. Again, what do you think are black men's beliefs surrounding mental illness? I don't think there is a belief to begin with, Morgan. Um, you don't think these niggas be out here thinking about mental health? I really don't. I, I they they I don't know. They I don't. They don't take therapy or anything like that serious. They look at it like as if it takes masculinity away and, you know, like it softens you. If you go, if I if I was to tell a random nigga I seen at the corner store, hey, I, I just left my therapist. I think I'd get laughed at in my face. Damn. Honestly. Okay, so do you think that black men need to go to therapy? Yes, most definitely. It would resolve a lot of issues we see today, a lot. Okay, let me ask Deja the same question before we bust this answer wide open. Hmm. Um, what what do you think black men's beliefs surrounding mental illnesses are? They don't believe in it at all. What and mean? I saw that within my own family. Like, those niggas been through some shit, and I get a little concerned sometimes. I'm like, you need to go talk to somebody. And do you think they, like, desensitize? Tuskegee um, controversy of 1932 
and it started the distress. But more importantly, um, in the 1800s, there were a group of um, mentally disabled black boys that were placed into a mental home and it was set on fire and all of these children were killed and no one cared. So I feel like that has a lot to do as to why a lot of these Negroes won't take their ass to therapy, but it's not an excuse. I'm going to give y'all a trigger warning now. Because this is a whole different type of video. Like, I'm really about to have to say some things. Y'all do not know what it feels like to be a dude, grow up being a dude, live life every day being a guy. A black one at that. I went my whole life without nobody caring about my mental health or how I was doing. I went my whole life with people drilling in my head that I need to stop being emotional. I went my whole life with people telling me, oh, you can't, you can't react. And you can't. So now after 21 years of people drilling this into my head, you now that now that I'm emotionally unavailable, I'm wrong. And frankly, no, I, I'm not. I don't want to just sit down with somebody who has a piece of paper from some university to say that they can tell me what's wrong with me. The truth of the matter is most of y'all don't care. A lot of you don't care. And then you don't start caring until we really just become unavailable to y'all when y'all want something from us. Like black men are the only people I have ever seen crucified and scrutinized for the simple fact that they are not okay because of trauma. What? You're, you're traumatized? Bro, be a man. You're traumatized? Bro, be, go, go to a therapy session or something. Be a man. Go like, go like dig a hole or something. Like what? And then y'all love to act disingenuous about the fact that y'all act that way. Like y'all love to pretend like y'all don't act like that. The problem isn't us now. The issue is the stigmas and stereotypes y'all allow people to push onto young men and boys. Y'all glorify these things. Like, do y'all not understand that most men are used to emotional neglect? Like, y'all want us to open up, but then y'all want us to be these emotionless robots. And then y'all want us to open up again just to throw it back in our face whenever you get mad. Again, another situation where you guys are so quickly to just blame us for simply not being okay. Like, I didn't do this to myself. I can't help that I'm messed up. I didn't mess myself up. Like, why would I do that? Like, do y'all realize it's a popular idea in the black community to simply not care about somebody's mental health, especially men? Like, do y'all not understand how therapy actually goes for most dudes? Like, this is a random person sitting across from me. And again, y'all want me to tell this person everything going on with me because of a piece of paper they got from a university. I don't know this person. This person doesn't know me. Like, people that I know and care about and claim to have cared about me have thrown my shit back up in my face, have thrown my trauma back up in my face, have used my scars against me whenever they felt like they, like, you know what I'm saying? Whenever they got upset. So why would I tell this random person that I have no, I know nothing about all of my little issues? And like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, why are we playing the blame game when it comes to somebody's traumatic experiences, bro? Y'all, some of y'all are real weird. Go ahead and just talk about Kanye for a second, just because I feel like he's the poster boy of a black man with mental illness and stuff. And we were talking about um, weaponizing mental illness earlier. Um, what we were talking about was the fact that when um, when it comes to mental illness, a lot of people use it as a way to write off bad, like bad choices that they made or to make different excuses for why they did what they did and never really take accountability for the actions that they have done or created. So with that in mind, like I feel like Kanye does weaponize his mental illness a lot.
but I also feel like there's not enough representation of black people um, within the bipolar field to be able to have, and that is a huge issue. Um, I have been hearing from a lot of different nurses, and they were talking about how racism is within like um, different like mental health facilities because like what they have in the DSM, the that's what it is, right? The DS five the um yes the dsm so essentially the dsm is the manual that they use to the um to like diagnose different people with different me um, mental illnesses and it's updated like every couple years or so so they write it from a perspective of white people and they study white people with these mental illnesses but they never study black people with mental illnesses because they present themselves in different ways so for example i heard this um black nurse talking about how there was a black boy um sitting in a room by himself as a patient he got checked in to um get evaluated and um this white nurse had like just checked on him and evaluated him so when she came in to write down his notes and stuff, she was saying that he was schizophrenic, he was talking to himself, this, that, and the third. And the black lady checked over her notes and she figured something wasn't right. So she went to investigate on her own. She was talking about how when she went into the room, she realized that the boy was sitting in the room rapping and twisting his hair. And it looked completely normal to her because she was a black woman and she's seen black people doing it. But white people see something like that and they'll be like, oh, there's something wrong with him because right. it's not normal to them. And that's why it's so important to have that Afrocentric perspective to view it that way, as well as like bringing more representation within the mental health field and having more black nurse practitioners, black doctors, black therapists, because they don't see, they don't see us. What impact does racial trauma have on the day-to-day -day lives of black people? I didn't know if y'all really understood that question, so I really wanted to take the time and break it down myself if y'all don't mind. So um, there's this term that I really wanted to introduce you guys to, and it's called epigenetics. Have y'all ever heard of epigenetics before? Okay, so historically, it has been argued that people of African-American descent are victims of generational trauma. Okay. One of my favorite things to research in my free time is the genetic responses to trauma. What happens to the offspring of people who have endured multiple generations of trauma? I've made a few videos on here on epigenetics, but people who are descended from groups that have uh, overcome decades of genocide, chattel slavery in America, the murder and genocide of Native Americans, and the hundreds of other indigenous groups that were almost wiped out of existence across the world. The descendants of these groups of people are the ones that are most likely to suffer from mood disorders or depression and anxiety. A lot of the precursors to some mood disorders and personality disorders would include heightened emotions, heightened sensitivity, and quick to temperament. Those behaviors are usually triggered by fight or flight responses. There's also massive links between the survivors of genocide and gastrointestinal disorders. The gastrointestinal system and nervous system are heavily reliant on each other. Trauma lives in the body and it shows after generations. So since we are talking about mental health, I feel like it's so important for us as people who deal with mental health to address the black parents within the black communities. So do y'all have anything y'all wanna get up off their chest? something off my chest um i feel as if like let's say you got like a um your modern uh black household and um you got a seven-year-old or ten-year-old kid and um 
they they bring up something about their mental health or how they thinking and etc. Uh, I feel like um, they just get a pat pat on the back from their parents uh, since it's like it's it's not taken serious it, uh, unless it's like a a life threatening issue or like a emergency room type scenario. Like it won't really get taken serious. Uh, most parents love. Uh, they feel like um, mental illness is something they don't want to pay for. Just the list goes on, but it's it's something that's like overlooked, especially if 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 it's a younger kid. They feel like they don't even know what they're talking about. You know, that's my take on that. Right. Um. I know with me personally, I think with my parents, because what was going on at home, I didn't want to bring it up to them because like it was already enough and a child shouldn't feel like that mm-hmm. if something if there's something wrong with me i should be able to come tell you and not just hold off because of whatever y'all got going on mm. it's very true um i think for me as far as like black parents and stuff i just want to remind what well, a number one remind black parents that it's harder to be a child now than it was back when they were children just because of the introduction of like the internet and um you know cyberbullying as well as like the use of filters and stuff really got people children like looking at themselves differently that's where their body dysmorphia comes in because children like suicide rates amongst children are extremely high and it's like they don't pay attention to it i will say this when I was work like when I was working at the Boys and Girls Club, I did come up on my first encounter of like self harm, like amongst my one of my students. Um, I had a white student and he was probably seven and we were doing homework and I looked down and I realized that he had all these red lashes up and down his arm and stuff. He was suicidal at seven. So I pulled him outside and I was like, what's, what's on your arm? And he didn't want to tell me, but I had to tell him, like, I had to curate a safe space where he, he felt comfortable enough to be able to tell. And, you know, he was cutting himself wrong. So for those who don't understand, like, like people who cut who do practice self harm, like if you cut yourself um vertically down your arm, that means you really want to take yourself out because your veins run like horizontally, so you will bleed out quicker. So most of the times when people slash themselves on their arm vertically, they're doing it for attention. You're not gonna die that way. So he was cutting himself vertically, and I realized that. But you gotta realize like these children really going through it mentally. They can't find no solace. There is no escape for them because everywhere they go, their parents judging them, peers judging them, teachers judging them. Then they get online. TikTok is a hell of a place. Like, it's terrible for children. And I feel like people need to be checking in on children and actually, like, listening to them. That's where the gentle parenting shit comes in because, you know, you can't beat the mental health into someone nor can you beat the devil out of someone like y'all need to be trying to find therapists or find an insurance that'll pay for therapists down here in the south and we also need to be opening more therapy places in the south for people down here the south has the highest amount of mentally ill people than any other place in america all them Looney Tune ass motherfuckers and shit down here. The Confederacy, you know they all the descendants of the Confederacy need mental health. Okay. The, the yeah, sons of the Ku Klux Klan, they begging God to help save them. Yeah, I think that's another one of those things where 
people are like, how are you going to talk about it? The funny thing is, this is something I was like on the internet before. It's kind of, it was kind of funny, but by, it's not an opposite. It's not I hate being bipolar. It's awesome. It's actually, it drives more of how you really feel. It doesn't do an opposite thing. So I think it's important for us to have conversations about, you know, open conversations about mental health, uh, especially with me being black, because we never had therapists in the black community. We never approached, like, taking medication. And I, I think it's good that when I had my first complete blackout at age five, my mom didn't fully medicate me because I might have never been yay. And there's times where mm -hmm. at least I'm happy that I know. Like, even, like, for this interview, I knew I wanted to stay in a calm state because by the time I got to TMZ, I was ramped up. So what was awesome is that the world got to really experience someone in a ramped up state. And that's when you get these comments that just shoot out, like almost like Tourette's. Because you have highs. So the next question is, is what can we do to normalize treatment and therapy in the black community? And what advice do you have for black youth struggling with mental health illnesses today? Stop making a joke about it. It's not funny. Like, like I say with my siblings, they laughed at that shit. Like, these are all y'all traumatized. We all need help. There's no need to make a joke out of it. That's why people be afraid to, like, open up and say, hey, man, I've been having these thoughts, and I don't know what to do with them. You know, be more empathetic to people. Show more love, courtesy, kindness to others who start having thoughts or feeling a certain way. I also feel like we really just need to do what we're doing now and just talk about it more. Um, I was talking to some of my ideal sisters, um, definitely Aspen and um, Jayla Douglas, and I was telling them about my mental illness, and they were just telling me, you know, like nobody feels comfortable enough to share stuff like that with me. And I really hate that because, like, like especially after the pandemic, Everybody started popping up with depression and anxiety. Everybody, mm -hmm. these folks was down bad or even body dysmorphia. A lot of people be losing weight real quick and they don't know how to like, they have issues like seeing themselves in the mirror or the way that they think of themselves and the way they physically see themselves on the line. So you, you see all these different things but nobody talks about them. So to, do you have, what do you think we should do to normalize treatment? Um, I think, I think like, like you said, speak about it, but when you speak about it, like, don't, like, this is to somebody who is getting, uh, who is listening to somebody talk about it. Uh, don't think of it in the most severe way, like, oh, he probably finna get ready to commit suicide. Just try to hear the person out. And, um, it definitely needs to be talked about more and taken more seriously, too. Most people need to be educated on mental right. health. These niggas yes. don't know shit. Yes. Um, I did want to take the time to talk about some black celebrities that um are bringing awareness to mental health. So, like, in the media lately, Megan Thee Stallion just came out with a website called Bad Bitches Have Bad Days Too. And um, it's like a, a, a collection of mental health resources for women. And I think that shit is so fucking cool and it's modern. And that, that is how we are able to bring awareness, especially to our youth as well as people our age. And I think that's fire as fuck because she is like she's a huge leader in the black community, especially with the black win uh black women. Uh my little sister, she loved Megan Thee Stallion and that that's real good to hear. Can y'all think of any other celebrities y'all feel like like represent um mental health well? Mm. What about Kanye? 
Yeah. Okay. I would, hmm? I would say uh, Brandon Marshall. He uh, owns I Am Athlete, that podcast. And he was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Mm. And, you know, he do like a wellness check with all his uh, friends on there and explains the importance of, you know, taking care of yourself. It's lit. I would like the way Charlemagne talk about mental health illness, oh, yeah. too. Charlemagne is a huge advocate for black people, making sure that they mentally are okay. Dr. Umar as well, but we already knew that he has his own PhD in mental health. Facts. And y'all also need to go buy his book, too, especially if you have a child with mental health issues. His book is literally made for that, how to um, raise a child with mental health issues, well, how to advocate for those children, like in school systems. So I feel like it's definitely needed. Um, Let's see. I do have a couple of tips for you guys. So we're going to get into that in the next segment. <laughs> okay, so um, the second part of the question is, is, what advice do you have for black youth struggling with mental Ill, um, mental health illnesses today? Um, here is my um, list of things that you can do to help with mental health issues. And I'm going to run through it real quick, and then I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to um, talk about what tips y'all have outside of this list, okay? So the first thing you want to do if you are struggling with mental health issues is surround yourself with people who love you. Not the people that don't love you or your fake friends or the people that are ignorant towards mental illnesses, but the people that truly love you and have your best interest in mind. Secondly, you need to be setting boundaries. Apply healthy boundaries can help challenge those who believe that their worth relies on how much of themselves they can extend to other people. It has a lot to do with those who have depression and anxiety or any other mental health issues too. Don't overstress yourself out and don't take no other shit on. Set boundaries. Make sure that's a form of self-love and self-respect. So y'all always need to be doing that. Um... The way you is you are uh, another tip that you need with um, mental health illnesses is um, viewing yourself in a positive manner. So how you view yourself really impacts your mental health immensely. And um, there is a quote I wanted to read to, to you guys, and it says, "Setting clear personal boundaries is the key to ensuring relationships that are mutually respectful. Boundaries are a measure of self-esteem, and they set limits for accepting behavior for those who are around you, determining whether they feel able to put you down or take advantage of you. Um, make sure that when you're looking for a therapist, your therapist looks like you, right? Yeah. But there's also a shortage of black therapists. Like, that's really the main reason for, like, the long wait lines and stuff. Like, up here at Mississippi State, the mental health center, they have, like, way long waiting periods because people be wanting black therapists and stuff, and they can't get their hands on them. Which I don't blame them. I don't want no white lady telling me what I need to do. Very much that, but because you Negroes keep on shaming people for wanting to go into therapy or telling people they won't make no money, black people not interested in becoming therapists no more. That really our fault, but I digress. Um, yes. Remember that taking medication do not make you weak. All right. Also, my favorite tip is going to be take vitamins. I feel like people overlook vitamins a lot. So let me give y'all a list of vitamins you guys should be taking to help with your mental health. So vitamin D. So um, vitamin D helps with your mood fluctuations. Vitamin D is referred to as a sunshine pill. And just like the sun helps you uh, elevate your mood, 
vitamin D pills will as well. So they'll make you happy. They'll help with your mood and calm you down. And it's so needed. Secondly, ashwagandha root. Ashwagandha root is great for mood, elevation, and energy. But be careful with overusing ashwagandha because it will cause you to become desensitized. But I feel like ashwagandha root, uh, root helps boost your energy. And it'll just make you very light and happy to be here. Um, also, vitamin D3. Um, yeah. Do y'all have any tips or suggestions? I'll say go outside. Yes, go outside, get grounded, go sit in the sun, put your feet in the grass. Yes, like, I know in high school, I would spend so much time sitting outside my grandmother's house in the sun, and it just felt amazing. It was really energy boost, for real. Mm-hmm. And eat healthier, like. What you eat really do affect your mood. It really does. Big facts. I know I'm a fat nigga now, but yeah, I know when I eat healthy, I feel a whole lot better. You talking about fat nigga, baby? It's fat nigga season, baby. We out here winning good. <laughs> yes, we in demand. It's cold outside. What about you two? Uh, find some hobbies, you know. Um, that don't include smoking weed. Right, that don't include smoking. You know, find find your passion. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and um, realize that you're not alone too. Thank you. Yeah, one last thing, one last thing. Um, don't masturbate. Leave the porn and all this oh, yeah. alone. Please, <laughs> y'all. No, really, though. Shout out to the slaves. Yeah, shout out to the slaves. You feel me? Shout out to Harriet Tubman. That shout was out to real niggas. Shout out to the real niggas. And shout out again to all those people who hate my guts. Y'all are doing a justice and an effort to the world. Keep breaking these men down one at a time. You are obsessed and sick. shout out which is one of my favorite um segments is an opportunity to help celebrate the black dollar and circulate it within our communities as well as to give audience members an opportunity to explore black owned hidden gems so miss deja who would you like to shout out this afternoon all right first shout out goes to my fiance my baby, you already know. Come on. You already know. Y'all can book an appointment with her on her Instagram Tell page. Tell people her name. Anaya Mason. It's rude, but hey, she she going to be Miss Mason, baby. Period. know how I get down. But hey, y'all can book us um, an appointment on her Instagram, Hair by Anaya. Literally, Hair by Anaya. Spell it. H-A-R, I mean, H-A-I-R, mm-hmm. B-Y mm-hmm. dot. Anaya, A-N-I-Y-A-H. Y'all, if y'all be liking the way my hair be braided and style, that's by Anaya. So, if, yeah, Anaya can grip almost anything. <laughs> <laughs> she do a good job. If y'all are in the city or near the city, y'all please make sure y'all check out Anaya. Shout out Anaya. Who the next person you want to shout out? I would like to so I- also, shout out Kayla Bland. She's a braider from my hometown. She does an amazing job. She can grip too, baby. And I mean, it looks clean. You telling me? You telling me she can grip my thoughts and imagination? She She. I mean, I mean, hey, and she's very neat. Book with her on her Facebook page. Her name is Kayla Bland. K A Y L A Bland B L A N D. 
beautiful. You got anyone else you want to shout out this afternoon? That's it. All right, shout out to Anaya and Kayla. Come on, to who you trying to shout out? Uh, shit, I like to shout out my barber. He got me my fade looking real nice right now. Uh, it's BJ Cuts is uh on MLK. Uh, what's the name of that place? What about the West Side? Yeah, on the West Side. Uh, by that uh, what's that furniture place? Uh, I don't know. Google work though. Well, it's on MLK by the furniture store, and it's in a little complex. He gonna get you right. He gonna get you faded you and persuaded by Ricks. Yeah, there you go. by Ricks. He gonna get you faded and persuaded. So he cut you so good, you might just get you some cat that night. Oh Lord, shout uh, out to Big DJ. I might have to get him to line me up. In a <laughs> <way>. <laughs> uh, also shout out to my homeboy uh, Nigel Owens. He's from Tupelo, Mississippi. Six six two in the building. Uh. Got a clothing brand by the name of Profit Mind that he does ship. He got some nice ass drip. He'll get you right to uh, follow his Instagram at Profit Minded Clothing. And I also like to shout out uh, WTF Starboard. If you're from Starboard or familiar with the area, you know what I'm talking about. I had me some good ass loaded cheese fries the other day. This shit was so fine. To both of y'all are artists, like in y'all own individual ways. Y'all go ahead and shout y'all sales out. Oh, uh, shout out to me. Uh, you can follow my Instagram at R3. M A R R R got an album coming out soon. Uh, gonna be full of gems, just blessing your ears. R and B, real smooth. Real smooth. Just be waiting on that. And I would also like to shout myself out. You can follow me on Instagram, Young Chimp Y X N G C H A M P. I do self portraits, uh, anime paintings, and drawings. Anything that you want, I can do it. Yeah, y'all both are cold, and I like personally not even just saying it because y'all my friends. Y'all both are majoring in y'all field, so y'all specialize in it, and I love the black artists. Uh, shout out to all the baby daddies that paid their child support on time this month. I love it for y'all. I promise God gonna put that money back into y'all pockets. <laughs> shout out to all the baby mamas who is taking this money from these niggas and buying 32 inch wigs. I love to see it. Cause every day I'm waking up trying to get over on the system my damn self. So shout out to y'all motherfuckers in the building today. And remember, if there are any businesses, any type of content creators, promoters who happen to be black, make sure you are emailing me at the Afrocentric Podcast. That's Afrocentric Podcast at gmail.com. Please forgive me for any sins in which I committed. Those I know of and those I don't know of, Lord. Lord, please forgive me for beating this bitch ass today, Lord. Lord, please forgive me for thinking about beating her ass again, Lord. Please rebuke all these demons that's in this house, Lord. I pray unto you, really Lord. Necessary? And now it's time for everybody's favorite segment here, the Afrocentric Church of God and Christ where the green grass grow all around and around and the the, the, the cup runneth over. All right, so the altar call is the uh, final segment of any podcast, and I'm just here to let my people know that I'm here and I'm getting praying and fasting and open and intervening, and I'm deep in my prayer closet. Yes, Lord. And I'm praying for y'all. And um, this is just an opportunity for y'all to send me y'all prayer requests for groups of peoples, politicians, nations, and bitches. All right. So the first people that we'd like to talk about and pray for today is the motherfuckers that is empathizing with Jeffrey Dahmer. 
I just want to say that y'all are sick and delusional and you all need to seek help. Help me, Lord. Please, Lord. Help I don't know what in the world is going on with y'all thinking that y'all could empathize with a beast that was sautéing salty ass in his kitchen and eating black men up like it was Sunday afternoon. But, you know, you're sick, best. You got to remember, sometimes the battle is not yours. <laughs> it's the Lord's. Amen. Think about it. Then start shouting. All right. Now, the next person that I did want to pray for today is we is praying for our sister, sister in Christ, Sister Tia Mowry. Amen. Yes, um, well, Sister Mowry just announced that her and her husband, Cora Hadry, will be divorcing. And many people are speculating that the divorce is rooted in infidelity. Trash. Yes, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Neighbor. Can I keep it in my pants? Can I keep it in my pants? Mm. But here at the Afrocentric Full Gospel Baptist Church of God in Christ, I just wanted to remind you, baby, that your husband is Jesus. Amen. And you are married to the church. Amen. And you don't need no never-headed brother Help me, Pastor. Help for me, Pastor. you to fulfill your purpose in Christ. Amen. Now, I would pray for Kanye, but my prayer wouldn't even hit the roof. This motherfucker wore a White Lives Matter shirt, Morgan. The Bible say come as you are too. And he are stupid, so he came exactly the way he was. Him and Ken. You know what? I ought to just rebuke them devils. That's my bipolar shit. That's my superpower. Superpower. Ain't no disability. I'm a superhero. I'm a superhero. Well, I really wanted to thank both of you guys so much for sharing your stories as well as coming in and talking to us about mental health. So before we wrap up this episode, um, I wanted to ask you guys if there was one thing that you want black people dealing with trauma to know, what would it be? Um, don't be ashamed. Please don't be ashamed. If you can't talk to your friends at home, look up a therapist online. There's plenty of information and resources to find somebody to talk to with your problems. Thank you. Uh, I say don't 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 let you trying to impress other people or fit in with other people. You know, since stop you from getting help. Um, you know, you just it's just something you kind of just you you just gotta face that shit. Or eventually, that shit gonna come back and bite you in the ass. So. If you can get the help, get it while you can, or as soon as you can, with that being said. Well, thank you so much, Ramar and Deja. It really has been a pleasure talking to you guys this afternoon. Thank you all so much for y'all transparency and willingness to share y'all stories to the world. And thank you guys, listeners. Thank you so much for choosing and to be Afrocentric today. Please remember that Black Lives Matter. Listen and protect black women. And the only thing that you must do in this lifetime is to be black and die. Remember that we're just civilized people having civilized conversations. I'll talk to you soon. Ta-ta. So imagine all the other things we've normalized. Mm -hmm. Trying to be strong, mm -hmm. push through. 
The strength is in vulnerability. The strength is in saying, I'm not okay today. That's the strength. The danger is trying to push through. The danger is continuing to cope with all of this compounded trauma that we have ensued and continue to endure. 